Righty ho! I'm here today for Mr. Feelgood with, gosh, you're, you've got a lot of stuff going for you. You are a smart one, smart cookie, the, the personal development expert and author, an international author, a bestseller, a speaker, a keynote speaker. Yep. And you're sort of really known from the people I've spoken to and what I've seen of you as being yeah. a really refreshing addition to that school of uh, service, of help, of um, development in the fact that you're no bullshit, you say it like it is, um, you're no nonsense, but I think at the same time what I've gathered is that you you do it in a way that's very studied and you're very empathetic and compassionate. I don't deny that at all. I don't think yep. you're missing that aspect, but you just seem to want to get on with it and get people through your own experience right. and your own work with <clears throat> yourself. You want to get yourself... Um, you know, use what you've used on yourself to help other people get out of their sticky situations within their life. Yeah, for sure. I think I think sometimes my experience of the industry in general terms was always that it was it was a little too self-indulgent. You know, mm -hmm. I don't. It's one thing for somebody to hear where you're at and to get where you're at, but I don't. Th I didn't hear enough people saying, "And this is how you get out of that." Mm. And that's my passion, you know, like how can somebody go from this to that? How can you, how can you switch from one spot to another spot? And, um, and it's, it's challenging, but it's surprisingly simple. Mm. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, my whole life's about making a difference for other people. That's what gets me out of bed in the morning and drives me and keeps me going. And, and it's, a, it's a brilliant way to use your life. So just on, on the whole self-help business, you don't classify yourself as a guy who's a self-help business, in the self-help business. What, what, what are your opinions on that? Well, I, I, there's so much of that, the industry itself, that I can't identify with. Like, I can't. There's just so much woo-woo out there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, look, I, whatever works for you, you should do that. But that stuff never worked for me, and it never gave me any insight. And I really didn't need... And, and this is obviously coming from my perspective, but obviously with the tens of thousands of people that I've coached in my life now, um, the people who were drawn to me didn't want a cuddle. They wanted me to tell them the truth. They right. wanted some sense of somewhere to ground themselves, even if it was a painful grounding. Mm. So I, I fly in the face of all of that. You know, like people have come to me and they've said, you know, I've been the victim to this and the victim to that. And I'll say, okay. Uh, maybe you're not the victim to anything. Maybe the only thing you're dealing with is yourself and how you've made your way through this life and where you've ended up. And, and so that's a challenging thing for people to hear. Very, very challenging. So, but I don't mind going in there. I don't mind. And it's not motivation. I don't, I'm not about motivating people. I'm not about being positive with people. I think positivity for some people is, is useless and in fact insulting. I think mm. some people are in a spot in their life where you know, positivity is not going to crack it. Mm. Um, so I always ground, ground, ground people in some sense of what you could call the truth. Not my truth, but theirs. And, um, and so sometimes I get, I, I get, you know, I'll get negativity coming at me, you know, oh, you're just some guy who's like, like, which is fine. You know, I don't mind it. Um, I have a lot of time for people. I've got tremendous compassion for people. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't want to dwell in people's shit as much as they do. Huh. And when when you come into contact with that, people are dying to tell you, like, oh, no, this happened and that happened. I'll say, okay, just stop. Where are we right now? You know, how did you end up here? 
Where are you going? What's next? What do you need to be responsible for? So yeah, I'm the, I'm the anti-self-help guy in some ways, but, but at the same time, um, you know, people can help themselves. They really can. Um, but you, but you got to take the courageous route. Amazing. Well, what we're going to do here, uh, Gary, is we're going to, we've designed 20 questions that we think get to the heart of who you are, of who we are as humans, that are important questions uh, that don't mess around, that are lean. Yep. So we'll start with the first one. Who the fuck are you? I'm Gary John Bishop. I'm a proud father and husband, and uh, I'm someone who's devoted the last 15 years of their life and the rest of their life to empowering others. Um, I got this wonky accent, so I'm originally from Glasgow, Scotland, and actually from the east end of Glasgow, which is the side of the tracks where they stole the tracks. Um, but I've been in the United States now for 20-something years, and, um, and this is my life. This is what, who I am and what I'm up to. Right on. And how are you feeling right now? Um, I'm feeling very relaxed and, and, and curious about your next 19 questions. 18. 18. Okay. All right, good. Well, you've almost answered this, but where did you grow up and what was it like? <clears throat> uh, so, like I said, I'm from Glasgow, but um, Glasgow is a very, um, it's like a little New York in mm. many ways. You know, it's, it's rough and it's tough, but there's a big heart in it. Um, but it used to be a very industrial city and that changed a lot. Mm -hmm. But uh, my, my parents were your average, you know, Glaswegian parents. My father was a cooper. He made barrels for whiskey. Oh, right. huh. And uh, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. They divorced when I was young. I had three older sisters. Wow. And um, yeah, it was, but, but Glasgow by, by its kind of nature, you know, is a very authentic place, mm. but it can be a very painful place if you're not, if you don't have your wits about you, you know, and I don't just mean physically painful. I mean, You've really, you've really got to have a thick skin to survive in that city. How old were you when you left? I'm curious. I was 26 when I left. When you left Glasgow. So I was a fully fledged man. Right, okay. <laughs> um, what about when you left home? When, when you left? 16. 16 when you left? Yeah, you yeah, had my first job right Amazing. out the gates. Right Amazing. I actually went to work in a theatre. Mm. So I was working uh, the office in the Tron Theatre, which is this really old theatre in Glasgow. Mm. Um, and it was in this government training program. It was a YTS. Oh, aye, aye. So I think I made like $30 a week or something. But it was such a challenge for me because I was, even though, you know, I was this Glasgow boy, but um, I was very naive as a kid. You know, my older sisters had protected me quite a bit, you know. But I was dying to get out there. I have to jump in because I grew up without a dad and with two older sisters and a mad mum. So right. I, I shouldn't say a mad mum. She's a wonderful mum. <clears throat> but, you know, but it, was, yeah. it was a real, like, I've got to get out. I've got to be on my yeah. own. I've got to see the world. I've got to become yeah. independent. I've got to see what else exists outside of this or these four walls. For sure. And, and, it's, and it's funny, that drive, you know, like I'd, I'd always felt like there was something else. Aye. I'd always had that experience in myself. Like, there's got to be something else. There's got to be something else. And even though I had some points in my life, earlier in my life, where I'd settled into maybe a pattern or two, it always came back, you know, like, there's got to be something else for me, there's got to be. And so I just followed that. And right. to be fair to my mom, she encouraged it, you know, mm. she was like, do it, whatever you got to do, do it, you mm. know. So, 
So I did. Then I mean, I I'm, I'm curious that this isn't one of the questions, but just because it is so fascinating to me. What about your dad? Was your dad part of your life growing up? He was. Um, my dad was, you know, was a very heavy drinker, um, but he was a very loving guy, you know. Um, he had this, but he just, you know, he spent most of his time, you know, living with the effects of alcohol. Mm. But, he, but it, one thing that always struck me about him was he was never far away. He always wanted to be around, mm. you know, always wanted to be, a, to be part of things. Mm. But um, so, you know, having done a lot of work on myself, I was able to kind of put a lot of that into perspective and into some kind of context for myself. Because when you're a kid and you're growing up, you're just in it. Yeah. So you, you, there's no wisdom there. There's no yeah. philosophy. There's nothing. It's just you and trying to work your way through the mess. Mm. And, and it, took, um, it took working on myself later. And I didn't work on myself, by the way, to deal with my childhood or something like mm -hmm. that. If you'd asked me at the time, I'd have said, I'm, you know, I'm done with it, you know. Mm. But it was amazing how much of it was still reaching into my adult life, you know, mm. and, and, it, and it kind of shaped how I saw myself, and, but not only that, how I saw the world. And so that work really helped to, to kind of have the scales fall away from my eyes, you know, like I, I got a real clarity in, in, one, in my late 30s, early 40s, right on. about myself and about life and about what I'm up to and what I'm capable of. and. And um, so I'm thankful for that childhood, um, but I don't, I'm not one of those people, I don't look back and say, oh, well, that childhood made me. Right. No, it was, it was a lot of different things, but certainly that work on myself later really helped uh, shape who I've become. Right on, right on. Um, what excites you? Um, always the future, mm. and the future of my children, the future of people, the future of the world. Like, the future is where it's at. The future, if you can, if you can create a future for yourself that's exciting, you'll have an exciting life now. I know. It'll, it'll influence and shape everything you're doing now. And what what scares you? Um, I, I think it's always some sense of like, um, it's always some sense of um, unexpected intrusion. Always something that's going to come out of nowhere. Um, and there's been those things in life, you know, there's definitely been those things like um, 2007, 2008, when that, the, when, you know, the big bank bust happened, that came out of nowhere for me. But it's funny because even though I have the fear of certain elements of that, um, one of the things that I do know about myself is, like all human beings, I have a capacity for overcoming. Mm. So it doesn't matter how crappy it gets, I'm, I'm built for it. Uh, what is your proudest achievement, do you think? My three children, Aye. my sons. Um, I just can't get enough of them, you know, they're just brilliant. They're just so good to be around and like, and uh, they're funny and, and a complete pain in the arse sometimes, mm -hmm. but, but, but I just, I just want to be around them. I want to hang out with them. I want to talk to them. I want to go to the movies with them. Um, and I'm fortunate enough that they want to do that with me because that's not always the case, you know. They do, they want to be around me, they want to hang out with me. What are they, like 14? The oldest is 16 now. 16. So 16, 10 and 7. Oh, so, oh yeah. it's a great time. Oh, it's a brilliant oh, it's time. it's a great time. As, uh, as, it's, it's, this is my, uh, oh, I, I'm amazing. clear about that this is the good old days for them and I'm, and I'm happy to contribute to that. Beautiful. What is the hardest thing you have ever done? Write a book. Aye. Yeah. Tell us a bit about that. Well, you know, and, and part of my growth work and part of working on myself over the years and, 
you know, I really started to identify my own internal mechanism. And so my mechanism is I'm not smart enough, right? So that's a, there's a reason why I went and took that job at 16 and college was never an option. I never really had a sense that I'm going around saying to myself I'm not smart enough. But if I looked at it from that perspective, I could see how the major decisions in my life were influenced by it. And so someone, uh, I, was, I, was a full, I had a full-time private coaching business at the time, had about 30 clients, spent a lot of time on the phone. And the person who was doing some marketing for me said, you should write a book. And I just resisted it. I'm just like, I'm not writing a freaking book yet. I'm mm. not doing that. And then I really started to question, why am I resisting this? Uh, why, why don't I write a book? And I really confronted that notion of somewhere in here, I don't think I can. I don't think I've, I've got it. So that was enough. I'm just like, all right, well, I'm going to write this book. And, I, you know, I've, I didn't go to college. You know, I didn't Google, how do you write a book? Didn't do anything. I just thought, I'm going to write the book that I would want to read. Right. What's the book that I would read? Yeah. And in and, and my field, how would it be? What would it say? How would it say it? And I spent a year writing that book and about six months editing it. And um, it all just came gushing out, you know. And I, and I found actually a real passion of mine, which is now writing. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's gone crazy. full circle in a way. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm writing my sixth book right now. And to be on the you know, New York Times bestseller is <clears> right. pretty. Yeah, oh, it's cool. a pretty big deal. It's, it's weird when, deal. when stuff like that happens, though. It's, it's, it's not real for you, though. I don't feel as if you have any sense that it's real right. for you. You know, I mean, it, you know, I had to, um, there's been so many events have come out of that and right. so many things that have happened right. out of that. Right. And luckily for me, I've managed to keep the context right. Okay. So the context is always, how can I make a difference for people? And that's what inspires me to write the next book and the next book and the next book. I'm, I, I don't pursue numbers and I don't follow the money. I don't at all. Um, wow, I've got amazing. an agent for that. They do all that stuff. You know, my books are always about, you know, the guy who's unemployed, the single mom. The, they're my people. Mm. And, uh, mm. and I write books for them so that they can get a sense of themselves and live the life that they want to live. Amazing. Amazing, man. Yeah. Um, who is your greatest mentor and what did he or she teach you? <clears throat> if you've... Oh, there's been a couple actually in my lifetime. Um, so I would say, uh, I would say growing up, there was a teacher uh, at my high school, uh, Miss O'Rourke. She was my English teacher. And believe it or not, even when I was at high school, she told me that I had a talent for writing, oh, right? Really? Which was the weirdest thing, yeah. right? Huh. And I always did well at English at school, but not much else. But anyway, um, and then, Later in life, there's been, there's been a couple of guys. There's a, there's a guy, a friend of mine, Jeff Wilmore, who really grounded me in what it is to have personal integrity, mm. like what it is to be a man of integrity or a woman of integrity, and how to live from a space of integrity, and how to own and manage yourself in this world. And uh, both of those were, were big influences on, my, um, on, on who I've become. Right on. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Uh, I mean, we all need mentors, I think. We do. I, do. I think I really we, we do. need somebody to kind of gauge yourself against, yeah. you know, like it's a good thing, you know, yeah. it's, 
And sometimes as men, you can get a little too insular and a little too independent, like you don't feel as if you need that or you can work it out yourself, which is kind of myopic. My thing was I lost my father when he was, when I was 11, he was 44. My parents were divorced before that. And I kind of gravitated to all my best mates' dads. Right. And I took a bit of his wisdom, a bit of his humor, a yeah. bit of his smarts, his yeah. work ethic, and I kind of made this own guy for myself. And right. Really, you know... And then when I became a father, that's why it was really important for me to jump in there and to, yeah. you know, do whatever I could to, to sort of be this as good as I could be. Yeah. But I would still love a mentor. So, well, I th you know, I th it's, it's one of the things with my dad was, though, I thought, like, I, I, want, I, I think I've become the dad that I think my dad wanted to be. Yeah, I hear that. You I know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like, I think he wanted to be that dad. I just don't. He just wasn't equipped after whatever he went through in his life right which was another big eye-opener you know when you start to see your parents had a past mm. and whatever they had to manage mm. and, and got through mm. um is he still with us no no he passed away um and you know i deeply like loved and loved my father like you know there's no resentment or mm. any sense that i missed out in anything mm. because there was so much that i got mm. you know and the same with my mom you know i in my childhood growing up I, I can't, the resentment that I had, because uh, very often you'll end up with resentment towards a parent or parents. It was always aimed at her. And then I had that same kind of aha with her, like this woman had a past long before I ever knew her. Mm. I have no idea what she went through or how mm. she managed it. Mm. Or All I'm witnessing is what came out the other side mm. of that. Mm. And, and I think that's a big barrier breaker for people when you start to see those important figures in your life as human beings. Mm rather than the kind of caricature that they can become exactly. when you're a kid, you know? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, who are your fictional and real life heroes? <clears throat> um, I'm always interested in people who um, overcome the odds, you know? And so, believe it or not, the, he the real life heroes in my life are the people who, and they email me all the time, they direct message me, and I've had a number of them, you know, like, I mean, lots of them. Like, so, uh, there was a guy, when I first released uh, my first book, Unfuck Yourself, he, uh, he emailed me and he said, I just finished your book and I've just checked myself in a rehab as soon as I finished it. And then I emailed you right away. I mean, when, when you think about what somebody has to deal with to get themselves to that point, that's a real life, like, no kidding, bona fide. That's a, that's a hero right there. That's yeah. somebody that stepped up in their own life and stepped into the great unknown and produced, you know, whatever yeah. result. And so I get that a lot from people, people have produced the most amazing results for themselves, pulled themselves back from the brink. I had a guy recently, he just signed a big distribution deal with a big grocery chain all over the United States. When he first picked up the first book, he was living on his friend's sofa. Amazing. I mean, that stuff is like captivating me. And then, you know, I'm, I'm, my heroes growing up were always football players or soccer players as they call from the great uneducated but um, <clears throat> so mine were, mine were always soccer players growing up and uh and then superheroes too you know i still have the argument with my boys you know about iron man like i'm a big iron man oh, guy me too. they're all captain america ah, so right. well, it's you know this is you know pretty mundane what's your favorite item of clothing in your wardrobe um it's a black very worn out my wife hates it, and it's got a bit of a stink on it that I can't get out. 
It's a black ACDC t-shirt, oh, but I can't get enough of it. Like I wear it all the time. I'll, I'll even wear it out. She's like, you are kidding me. <laughs> no, yeah. And well, that leads into the next one. What music did you love age 13 and do you still love it now? Um, yeah, you kind of go full circle. So when I was 13, it was electronic music was just coming out. So we were kind of getting into that kind of post-punk thing in the UK. So bands like Depeche Mode, were, were a big thing for me then. And a little later after that was like the Smiths mm. and the Cure. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you see, see those bands all the time. I loved that. That was a big part of my life growing up. Oh, me too. Yeah. Me too, for sure. Um, what is the most inspiring book that you've ever read? <laughs> um, Your own. No, go on. No, no, of course not. Never. Um, Man's Search for Meaning. I always talk about Viktor Frankl's book. That's amazing. Yeah. Because... You know, in that book, there's, there's so much philosophy in that book. It's, it's not a big book, but it's dense. And that's always my aim with every book that I write, is always to give you a lot in a very short period of time. And in Man's Search for Meaning, what I loved about it was, I mean, I, I guess I just always keep coming back to the triumph of the human spirit. Like, human beings can overcome. Yeah. And he did it. And, and then he talked about like what he felt as if really allowed him to do it. Mm. And he was someone who devoted his life to making a difference. So, brilliant book. Brilliant Amazing, book. yeah. Yeah. Uh, what is a movie that left a lasting impression on you? <clears throat> oh, there's been a few. Um, First that comes to mind. Yeah, all right. So, um, the, the one, the one um, I think The Grapes of Wrath, actually, I'm going to go with. Like that just rocked me, that movie and the book. Yeah, Steinbeck, but, um, right? Yeah, John yeah, Steinbeck, yeah. like it was such a, um, a hopeless time for, for folks back then. Like there was nothing, like there wasn't, you couldn't eat, you couldn't. So that left a lasting impact on me. Like, because um, I, I think I empathized with it a little when I read that, when I saw the movie, it was like, because we didn't have anything when I was a kid. We had nothing, you know, we go to bed hungry, you know, we were on welfare, I had holes in my shoes, the whole nine yards. Um, I know what it's like to have nothing. And that movie really captures it does, yeah. what it's like to be at the bottom. Yeah, 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 wow. Um, hmm. There's so much I want to talk to you about, and I can't, I've got to keep it down, <laughs> it's crazy. I keep stopping myself from jumping in, but yeah, that made a, that was an amazing, amazing book. And I remember going to school and having to have free dinners and being ashamed exactly. of having free dinners. Exactly. And having hand-me-down clothes and my wife, my, you know, getting my first bike when I was 12 and it was a girl's bike, but I exactly. loved it. Exactly, of course, it. it was a freaking bike, wasn't it? It was a bike it? and I could, it gave me Well, freedom. there's nothing worse than having yeah. hand-me-down clothes and your older siblings or sisters. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's never a good thing. That's nothing good about that. Yeah, that's true. Well, my mum used to do, she used to do all the sewing. She'd sew My mum would do the same. She'd sew yeah. stuff, yeah, you know, like, oh no, my it God. It was, and then it was And it was hard to keep up because everybody else was cool and trendy. I know. And I'm so, barely just keeping it together, know, you know what I mean? when Docs came out, everyone got Doc Martens and I think I, I begged her for half a year to get Doc Martens and she came home with major domos, which were the cheap Doc Martens. I know, I get it. And it was like, ah, anyway. I know. I'm but then I left and I made my own money and I bought her a house. Right. On, and, I did, and it just drove me. So right, exactly. Good. So that helps in so some ways. So it did ways. help in yeah. some ways. Yeah. Um, what is a movie that left the last... Oh, I've asked you that one. What is a favourite word or saying? Huh. I mean, it's pretty obvious. So I love the word fuck. Like, I love it. Like, I use it all the time. Do I use it in front of my children? Yeah. 
<laughs> all the time. They don't, but I do. Um, so no, I, I think fuck is such a great, a great word, a great word for capturing life. Like there's so many different ways you can use that word. Um, you know, you can use it in a moment of joy. You can use it as a term of affection to another. You can use it as a defense mechanism. It is just a brilliant all, all, all encapsulating word. It is, but what happens if your kids do come out of it? Who, who, what do you <clears> say? What if they do? There's a 16 year old. No, I've, I've heard my, uh, my 10 year old is, is a brilliant soccer player. Like he's really, really good. And, uh, you know, I've, I heard him one time on the field, on the field to a bunch of parents down. He goes, get fucking in there. And I'm like, <laughs> Awesome. Give it to him that's the, that's when he scored, because he's a, and he's a goal scorer. He scores, oh, and uh, man, he was he was, and then he was running past all the opposition parents, cupping his ear at him because he'd been giving him hell, you know, because he's good, you know. They yeah. they, they he gets picked on, oh. so um, yeah, I don't have a problem with it, I guess, but it's not too often it happens. So, what do you want people to say about you at your funeral? Um, that he gave a fuck. Yeah, that's it. Just he he get he cared he 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 was one of those human beings you know I'm even moved by it right now like I don't understand why people can't it, it bewilders me that you could go around in this life with your nose stuck in your own belly button right on you know I right think on. I think your life's got to be used for some greater purpose amazing amazing uh, quick fire last five car favorite car Land Rover Defender one ten color. Green. Oh, sports team. Celtic. Meal. I'm a pie guy. Give me a freaking pie. I'm good to go. Grooming product. Oh, that's a good one. So I just got this new one that I'm using on my hair and my beard simultaneously. Um, and I can't remember the name of it for life of me, but it's not shiny and it's not sticky and it generally keeps this mess off my face. It looks really good, man. It looks yeah. really good. Well, let us know. Do, do oh, well, I'll, let us I'll know. Let you know what it is. I might use it as well. All right, good. And um, clothing line. Oh, good question. Um, so I love the, um, so I've been getting into Saints and Sinners t-shirts, oh, which I like. Um, and then, I, and then, what's the name of these jeans? I'm always forgetting the freaking name of them. Todd Snyder. Oh, I. Oh, I wear the Todd Snyder gear. I actually got a bunch of Todd Snyder stuff, which I like, and I just like the way the jeans fit. When you get to a certain age in life, you know, you, the, the clothing's got to fit right. You right, know? exactly. Yeah. But I read recently that don't you aren't you fasting or? or I've, I've or been doing. I've been doing intermittent day. fasting, and it would be a mess of uh, remiss of me not to mention that I do love the. The Dusex Machina T-shirts. Oh, aye. Best. I wear, Love it. I might, have, I might have 40 of those oh, T-shirts out. Oh, they're home. so good. Have they you ever been good. to the store out? I haven't. Oh, you've got to go. I know, there. I've got to go. Oh, you've got to go there. They make the best coffee as well. I heard it's that. Really cool I heard that, but I love their T-shirts. Their T-shirts are great. Um, we're kind of, I'm just, just, is there anything you'd like to say about what you're doing with your new book? Just, or any, are there any questions that you haven't been asked that you'd like to answer or? You know, well, no, I mean, to. I think one of the things that I always want people to understand is they have a tremendous capacity for change. And um, so, you know, in this book that I'm working on right now, which is all, it goes actually into the whole dynamic of what a parent is. Mm -hmm. And people find it really challenging to kind of break themselves free from their childhood. Like mm -hmm. um, they get really stuck there. And so the big item that I'm taking on in this book is this 
this thing called blame? And could you live your life with no blame? Like, and what I've discovered is that blame is, in fact, the single biggest anchor that you have to your past. Mm. So you're not blaming yourself, you're blaming somebody else. Mm. So, um, but that kind of thinking, I want people to know that you have the capacity to think like that, to operate like that, to move like that, to free yourself up like that. And um, whatever you might find yourself in your life, you know, you're capable. Right, but for instance, you were saying earlier about writing, and you didn't think you had it in you to be yeah. a writer, even though yeah. your teacher had told you that you were a yeah. good writer. Yeah. But you were saying, but to write, I mean, that takes great discipline. So, so I think I read or heard you speaking about the fact that you know it wasn't about how you feel in the moment; it's about having a clear objective <clears throat> yeah. and just committing to it every day. Well, your feelings are all over the place. Aye. There, are, I mean, you can, I mean, you can literally feel better with a single martini. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it doesn't take much to make mm. you feel better. Mm. Um, but we become so wrapped up in that. We're obsessed by feeling better. Now, mm. you know, um, once upon a time, we used to set it aside. And there was a big negative to that, too, because people were ignoring, you know, things they were dealing with and things they were wrestling with and traumas and all kinds of stuff. But I think in many ways, we're swinging away the other way. Now, and now right. it's just like, you know, um, I'm offended or my yeah. feelings are hurt, or la, la, la. And, and I think I think what we've really got to we've, we're asking other people to be responsible for us, and that's fine on one hand. But on the other hand, you've got to really be responsible for your own emotions and your own machinery and how all that works and why does it do what it does and what do you get hooked by, um, and then you've got to be able to set that side in some really testing moments and produce the result because you know life only ever changes in the paradigm of action. Well, your mm. life will not change by feeling better about it. Mm. You might start there, mm. but where your life will actually start to change is when you do differently than you did before. And so I wrote that book, by the way, in the face of, of a tremendous enemy, mm. myself. Mm. I was talking myself out of it every day. I didn't want to do it, I was resisting it. I don't know what I'm doing, it's too much, it's overwhelming, I'm la la la. But I just kept putting sentences and words into that laptop. Sometimes I was literally putting in there, I don't know what to write, right. I'm confused. Right. Like, it was all just right. this way of... And of every day? Was it every, every single day? day. Was, it an hour? was it the morning? Was it the afternoon? Did you until try? I was done. Until you were done. But until what, I was done. Until you were done in a year or until... Or for the day, I mean... For the day, I would just keep... I would just pound it out. And then sometimes I would, I would walk... I, I, I actually taught myself this thing where I found that if I went on a walk mm -hmm. and talked about what I'd written, I'd come back and more would come out. Mm -hmm. So I kind of found my little, my little gold mine, you know, right, of, right, of yeah. writing. Um, but, but no, you, you know, it's hard enough to be a human being without ignoring that you are in fact the, the one thing that keeps one foot nailed to the floor. It's you, you're the one thing. There are other items at play but if you can reconcile with yourself about you, and if you can at times overcome yourself, if you can transcend that sense of yourself, that most negative self or that most disruptive self, if you can honor something greater than that negative feeling, then you'll be somebody who, over time, you'll start producing results beyond what you ever thought you could. 
Wow, amazing. Yeah. Amazing, man, really amazing. Yeah. I'm just going to ask a couple more because I am yeah. curious. With your clientele, the people that you've coached over the years, are, you, are they still on, are they, have most of them sort of managed to still stay on the track? Yeah, so I don't, what I don't do is I don't give you tips. <clears throat> so when I, with the people I've coached, you, you end up living from this philosophy. You're like, and so the answers are always there for you. You don't have to remember them. Right. So when somebody gets, right, and really gets their own machinery and mm. can see it and knows what it does, um, life is actually a lot simpler because you, 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 you know those patterns of self-sabotage. You've identified them. And you've even identified simple actions that you take to, to kind of take you in that other direction. But it includes stuff like, you know, like I talked about earlier, like integrity. When you finally see integrity, like a, like a hologram, like you can see through integrity, like you understand it, mm -hmm. um, there's nothing to remember. Right. You know, there's no, there's no a, code. It's just well, how it, you live. Right. I was going to say it is a code of honor, though, isn't right. it? It's sort of, but it's something that you breathe, breathe and you live and you extend in every aspect of your well, life. Integrity is, and, and the way that I describe it to people is, Treating what you say like it actually matters, yeah. right? Like it actually matters, which sounds simple, but you don't talk to yourself like it matters. So people make say, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this, and they say, well, I'll do it later. Mm. Well, that lacks integrity. Mm -hmm. That lacks personal integrity. So you said you were going to do something, and then you, and then you didn't do it. Mm. Now, the way I like to say it to people is, imagine you had a friend who did that. I'll meet you at 12, and they constantly walk in yeah. at 2. Yeah, After off. a while, you're just like, yeah. oh, this person's full of, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, what do you think it does to you as a human yeah, being? You're example. doing the same yeah. thing yeah. yourself. Yeah. You're, and so why people don't step out there and why people don't make big promises and play big games in their life is because deep down, they know that when push comes to shove, they'll bend yeah. or, they'll, or, they'll, or they'll twist away. So how do you how do you how do you how do you get them to adjust that and to take a different path? Yeah, yeah. It it begins by starting to see uh, the impact of living life that way. What have you done to yourself? You know, what have you done to your sense of self? You know, like are are when you speak, is it like, are those words powerful, or are they like, yeah, well, maybe, you know. Um, and so this is how I raise my sons, you know, like if you, if you say you're going to do it, I'm going to hold you to account. Right. In a way that I want you to eventually hold yourself to account. Right. And, and you do it with little things. Like right. it's amazing, amazing. How, how like even setting your alarm and getting up on the first buzz. Yeah, making your bed right. every day. Right. Yeah, no or, matter what. Yeah. Right. Or if you go to the gym or you don't eat that stuff yeah. or, yeah. you know, yeah. or you promise not to do this. Like. Promises are such a big part of a human being's life that over time, if you don't pay attention to them, will have no value. And if you don't honor your word to yourself, then your words will have no power. And so you'll always be living a life given by the constraints of your physiology, how you feel. And then that's a roller coaster, which I experienced that roller coaster like anybody else. But one of the things that I really discovered is it doesn't define where my life is going.